Hey boys and girls, Buck Ballard here with another episode of Trucking After Hours from the Trucking Podcast. A cup of coffee in the morning and I get the paper, I check the headlines and decide that I am bored. On today's agenda, um, <laughs> how about bridge jumping? A really cool... Uh, Range Rover, and we're going to talk about uh, Buck's journey with diabetes, 10 years into this game, and what I've learned, and I've been making some strides, and I kind of wanted to share some of the struggles and some of the wins with you guys. So that's where we're going to go today. Let's jump right into this first one, kind of a historical event. I think this is awesome. Oh, before I get going too far, that power. If you are in need of a load board, why not start with the absolutely best load board out there, in my uh, not-so-ever-humble opinion, and that would be DAT Power. We also have DAT uh, Trucker's Edge in all three levels of DAT. On the website, truckingpodcast.com, you will find a link to all three. DAT Power is the biggest, the best, the most data, and it is where you should start. It's also the most expensive. I'll be right up front with that. But I'll tell you what, the guys using power tend to stay in the business the longest and succeed more. The tools don't do you any good if you don't use them. But you have the quickest lane rates, 15-day averages as opposed to 30 and 60-day and 90-day and some of those things. And that's a pretty good turnaround as far as getting bills paid and getting lane rates and everything. So you get a 15-day uh, average. You have all of the runs, tri-haul possibilities, and there's so many cool things you can do with tri-haul without actually making the tri-haul, and I've been meaning to do a video on that. Uh, but you can try that again, 30 days, absolutely free, just by going either to the website and follow the link or truckingpodcast.com slash power. Give it 29 days, and if you don't like it, cancel it. It costs you absolutely nothing, and it is uh, no skin off my back. I just want to see you guys succeed the turnover in independent owner-operators is huge. With the right tools and the right knowledge, uh, we can slow that curve and keep you guys in business for a good long time. Let's move right back into our first story. Prince Philip died here a, a week or so ago at the ripe old age of 99 and had a royal funeral. You guys have probably seen pictures of it. If not, Car and driver will give the best report of what went on. Missing some other little details, but pretty darn cool. Turns out the prince was a aficionado of Land Rover. Big enough that, well, let's see, back in 2016, and this was just, okay, he's 99, so that was at the ripe old age of 96. Uh, the prince took the queen and Michelle Obama for a ride in his... Uh, Range Rover, because he loves them. So he's been behind the wheel quite a while. Not too long after that, at the age of 97, after, uh, I believe, leaving the road in a little fender bender, he finally surrendered his license. And, hey, I hope I'm around at 97 to have a fender bender. That would be pretty cool. At age of 99, he passed away, and he has the most interesting hearse. This thing is a glossy, dark army green and black. It looks like something... Um, Somebody would pay $150,000 for it to have custom built, but it turns out this Range Rover single cab pickup, especially modified to uh, hold his coffin and act as a hearse at his funeral, 
was designed and planned by him. And it is a Land Rover, uh, Range Rover Defender is what it is. A little bit of a stretched frame. The casket actually sits above the box, so it's like this hard tonneau cover with all of the all of the holders and everything to uh, hold the casket in place. And that's what he was buried in. I was working the day of his funeral, but Chris said you could hear the engine as it went by, and it just purred as it went by, uh, taking him uh, to his final resting place. I thought that was pretty cool. I will have a link right here in the show notes to the car and driver article. There's pictures of... Uh, the Prince in a Range Rover going way back. But it's a neat story and it's a neat tribute to an unusual man of uh, somewhat symbolic as it may be royalty. And I thought you guys would like it. On that same note, just goofy stuff. And again, I'm going to give credit to this one again to Car and Driver. Both of these links will be in the show notes on your phone, not on the website because I don't do show notes on the website for a lot of the shows. Uh, it just makes life simpler and easier. It seems jumping this drawbridge and bridge. Okay, I'm not editing that out. Let's try it again. It seems jumping this drawbridge in Florida is the thing to do. So here's what we have. We have, and this was just this last week, a Hyundai Santa Fe. Uh, what city in Florida is this? Doesn't matter. Anyway, I think this is a bike week event that goes on. Um, Bridge is going up, and the Hyundai Santa Fe decided, well, we're going to blow the gate and jump the bridge as it uh, as it goes up, and then we will um, land safely on the, the other side. So, yeah, here's a Hyundai. <laughs> there are videos of this in the link I'm giving you. The only damage they have, because there's, there's videos and pictures of the Hyundai going over the bridge, making the jump. Uh, of course, there's pictures of it breaking the barricades. And finally, there are pictures of it uh, elsewhere coming off the bridge with windshield damage. Most likely from the, that's the crack of the bridge coming open. Uh, but here's what's interesting about that. I was playing that video. The um, Hyundai Santa Fe, okay, all you have to do is get enough speed and you can jump the bridge. We don't know what he did to uh, performance. He probably caught a couple feet of air coming off the other side. It is hard to judge from the video. But if you scroll down in the feed and you read about Bike Week, uh, this isn't the first time. There is a Bike Week being motorcycle, not uh, bicycles. There's a video of what I would guess is, um, you really can't tell what it is. It's a Roadster-style bike, whether it be a Harley or something else, uh, making the same jump off the same bridge. And this was a few years back. And I guess this is not an uncommon phenomenon in the town. And then, of course... Uh, the final video in this feed, and it's the reason I chose this one. And again, I chose car and driver because media is dead. There are There is no such thing as journalism anymore. So I will give the feed uh, the link to uh, somebody other than a major news media outlet that I think gave it just coverage. And I love what uh, car and driver finished this article out with. It's a great read, four or five minutes. Again, link in the show notes. And it talks about that jump. Some of the, uh, this is the Main Street Bridge, Double Leaf, and it crosses the Halifax River. But the last video in here is from the Blues Brothers during uh, their bridge jumping scene. You know, cop tires, cop engine, 440 cubic inches, cop suspension. It's uh, it, It's just a fun little article. So again, both of them will have links in the show notes. Take a peek at those real easy. You can just click them on your phone and see them. Get a little downtime, that might uh, be fun. 
on to what I wanted to talk about. Now, if you've been following the show for a long time, bear with me or fast forward a little bit. Uh, my journey with type 2 diabetes, I want to just bring you up to speed on where I am and some of the things I've found recently that have really helped. Uh, that diagnosis, now I just turned 60 October, four months ago. But that diagnosis came up at 49. I had had signs of uh, blood sugar issues all the way back into my mid-30s that had been showing up in physicals and you know, life insurance, blood tests and things. Um, and it's really interesting to follow early on in the path. I was always heavier than I should be. I'm six feet tall exactly. Uh, I ran right around that two and a quarter mark for a long time. My heaviest was 230. But when that diagnosis came around, I was about uh, 215. I'd actually gotten down into the low twos. I believe 204 was my lightest. I never could get below two. That was just a battle. Um, but it, just before my 50th birthday, oh, let's see, my birthday's in October, so we're probably going back to May or June, the, uh, I went in for my, my DOT physical and my blood sugar was, uh, my A1C was high, it was 8.8 at the time, which is uh, beyond pre-diabetes. So, uh, we did some adjustments and there were some things that really helped me succeed. Uh, I had a doctor who was a, um, Kind of a family friend. We'd had a lot of functions together. Our kids were in school together, uh, music, sports, things like that at the schools. We, we saw a lot of, of, uh, of that family. So we, we knew the doctor, his wife and, and their kids very well. The nutritionist he sent me to, uh, happened to be the wife of a friend of mine from church. So I really had people who weren't just good at what they did. They were interested in me and it, it helped me do a different level of accountability. And, you know, I'd just gone through uh, watching my wife, Chris, have the stem cell transplant just a few months earlier. And, and you know, she did nothing to ask for that cancer. You know, the diabetes was, uh, some of it is hereditary. I'm sorry, I've got a cat in the studio playing with everything, including tipping over the garbage cans. Uh, anyway, watching her go through that, she did nothing to ask for a, a really weird cancer nobody had heard of before, or at least we hadn't. But the diabetes was somewhat... Uh, at least brought on 10 years earlier or so from uh, my being overweight and not exercising. So uh, I really took that seriously. I did some studying, and, and the magic number I found was 7%. If you lose 7% of, uh, of your body weight and uh, just start spending some time on some cardio, you can get it under control. So within a period of about four months, I went from... 215 pounds down to 194, that ma that magic 7% number. And uh, I also modified my diet a bit, and I started walking, running, doing a little bit of core exercises. So what I would do is, oh, I also got out of over-the-road trucking. That was the end of, of my um, full-time over-the-road. I, I left trucking altogether, went to work at a car dealership for six months, and lost the weight and got that under control. And then for those of you who know me, I spent the next five years hauling livestock. But that was a, uh, that was basically a two and a half, three and a half day a week job. So it left me a lot of time to, to exercise and to start on the podcast and everything else. So get off of there, kitty. Come on, come on. I don't need a cat standing on the soundboard doing weird things. Anyway, so. That worked very well. I was able to run. I was able to exercise, do some core lifting. Uh, 
as I got a little older, these morning blood sugars, fasting blood sugars, and I had my A1C down in the low sixes. I did notice way back when, if I got it below six, because I did hit five nine once, that's too low for a type two diabetic because at five nine, or for me anyway, I would wake up in the middle of the night shivering and it was crashing blood sugar. And I'd, you know, eat a mini Snickers bar and it would go away. So I learned where I had to kind of regulate and keep that. Now, what's gone on is the years have gone by, and I am on metformin. I take uh, 500 twice a day. Metformin does not lower your blood sugar, contrary to what you think. It'll lower your fasting blood sugars, but and it'll lower your, your... What it does is it stops you from spiking, but it doesn't lower it. It just stops the spikes. So you'll be aware that's what it does. It's not, it's not the cure-all. But it does help, and I have been on it, again, for 10 years. And it's not a matter of the metformin not working. So what I found is, oh, 2016, when I finally went back on the road four days a week uh, with the company I still work for, I had trouble doing two things. A, controlling um, the A1C, which was getting a little more difficult as I aged. The other problem I had was with the new hours of service and the e-logs and uh, all of these things and a stupid 30-minute break, I found it very hard to find um, the time in a safe place to exercise, plus at a company that very effectively uses your 14 hours a day. So you're you're driving 11 and on the dock a couple unloading and reloading. Um, and then hats off to them for that. That's what they're there to do. But I just was struggling to control it. And, and my morning blood sugars were going up. My A1C was going up. And I wasn't getting the time at home to do the things I wanted to do, like uh, podcast and those. So as circumstances changed and we bought our condominium and the, the cost of our living went down because we stole the place, um, I was able to take the four-on-four-off local job driving the spotter truck, which I still do. Now I have daily exercise because if you move uh, 50 trailers, you're out of the truck at least 100 times. And, you know, uh, 35 to 50 is probably uh, somewhere in there what I do every day. So I'm getting exercise every day, four days in a row. And then on my off days, I was still running and doing those things. And uh, I had gotten down to... uh trying to get a little more weight off because weight is the key in a lot of things. And I got uh, from that uh, 194 back down to 189 and I still was not winning. My morning blood sugars were going up from where they used to be in the one teens to the one forties, the one fifties, sometimes the one sixties. And I continued, uh, well, what do I need to do? And I'm going to work on more weight. I'm going to work on more running. I'm going to the gym four mornings a week. Oh, actually, three. I, I need one day off. My body needs rest. And I'm running 5K three days a week. I'm watching what I eat. I'm doing all of these things that I that I think are going to solve it for me. And I'm still high 140s every morning, uh, 150s. And I am not winning. And I was down to 179. So I started about six months ago, just really digging and reading and learning. Now, be aware, anything you find from the American Diabetes Association and all of these other uh, associations, uh, they are possibly more interested in what drug to recommend than prevention and uh, getting you off of drugs altogether. And I'm not saying they're right or they're wrong, and I am not a doctor. I'm not giving you any advice. I'm telling you about my journey. So 
Take that as a precursor and do not take this as do what I did. Take this as, uh, um, sorry, phone call. Take this as, this was my journey, and if I'm encouraging you to do anything with this, it's go online, start reading everything you can. So I took a whole new look at everything, and one of the things I found was, I think the ADA recommends 65 carbs per meal, which is nuts. I have no interest in going keto or paleo or any of that crap. I'm not giving up a lot of the foods I enjoy. I am giving up. I gave up quite a bit, but I'm not going to go, gee, I'm going to go no carbs and paleo and the cavemen lived on it. Okay, it looks like I will be editing after all because the cat just knocked everything off the table. Lesson learned. Anyway, no, I am not going to do the paleo thing. I'm going to live my life, but I'm going to cut out a lot of carbs. I also learned as I replaced those carbs with healthy fat, I lose the cravings. I lose some of the hunger. Now, between the job I do and my eating schedule, I tend to eat several times a day. At work, I eat about every two to three hours. Nothing big, not a whole meal, but I have something every two to three hours. So I metabolize very well. Um, so I, I went through, I sat down, okay, here's my lunch. What in my lunch bucket? And I'm at work for 12 hours. There's you know a lot of food there. There's four bottles of water. There's a thermos of coffee, um, some protein bars, and I always look at net carb on everything. My sandwich will keep in the lunch pail just fine. Now, we use a, a rather expensive loaf of bread for tuna fish sandwiches, and those come from a local bakery, and I just have an open-faced tuna sandwich now. I dumped one piece of bread. That's a lot of carbs gone. And the piece that's there is no sugar added, uh, very high fiber. It's a, a cranberry nut bread. Delicious. So I lost a piece of bread. I used to take uh, just a little baggie full of veggie straws, single serving. Those are gone. The very last thing I had at the end of my lunch uh, with the last cup of coffee of the day was a chocolate-covered granola bar, 15 grams. Guess what? It's gone. I don't get it anymore. I replaced those with some fruits, some vegetables, and some nuts. And that's my lunch now. It's a little, a little more boring, but it's proving effective. I started including more avocado in the diet. Uh, my breakfast every morning is a Greek yogurt with a half a cup of blueberries. Um, now it's more like three quarters of a cup. And I've done that for years. I enjoy that. It's easy. I, it's just my routine. It's what I do um, all my days on, most my days off. Greek yogurt with blueberries. And I buy the, the Chobani. We get it at Costco in a big box. And it's pretty good. Um, I added some sausage patties to that. So I also have a sausage patty with my breakfast now. Pork, not the low-fat stuff because the pork fat's healthy fat. So now I'm having that in the morning. So that added a little bit of healthy fat. Um, snacking on the nuts. and, and, and av I don't like avocado. It, it's a tough thing to slice up and put in a lunch pail. So having it that way is out. But it is good on a salad. It is good um, spread on a piece of toast, things like that. So we're finding more ways to incorporate the avocado in, into the diet. Uh, yesterday for lunch, we had some leftover spaghetti sauce that Chris had made spaghetti uh, a week or so ago and, and put the leftover spaghetti sauce and ground beef in the freezer. I fried up two eggs, busted the yolks in the frying pan so they were fried hard, dumped them on a plate, put spaghetti sauce over it with beef. And <laughs> it was wonderful. 
So I am doing a lot of changes. I'm working on healthy proteins. I also did a lot of reading and studying on supplements. And one supplement I was taking, I uh, I more than doubled. So I'm now taking uh, 10,000 international units where I was taking four. And then another supplement that I was reading on, I, I incorporated in. And I'm not telling you what these are because you need to do your own homework. And uh, somebody else who asked me who's just now starting to show high blood sugar is asking me, well, what are you taking? And I said, well, what was your blood sugar this morning? Well, I don't know. Then I am not telling you, if you are not tracking where you are every day, you're not to a point to know when you're not going to study. You're just going to take stuff. So I'm not looking for these to be a miracle cure. I'm looking for these to help me. But I will tell you, I am 30 points down on average in my morning blood sugar. I'm I'm right around that 130 mark instead of the 158 mark. And, and that's a win. And I'm very happy with that. And here's what I have decided personally, my personal decision. And I'm, I'm going to preface this with something that I don't do. I'm careful who I take advice from. And if you're overweight and you're on several other different drugs that are controlling your diabetes and checking your blood sugar eight times a day with the attachment on your arm, I'm probably not going to listen to you because you're not the example I want to uh, replicate. I want to take control of this as it progresses and be in charge. So the first thing I did to succeed is just focus on what are all of the bad things that can happen. Um, right off the shoot, vision, cataracts, uh, blindness. Blindness is the number one cause of blindness is diabetes, people. What am I going to do blind? What am I going to do losing vision in even one eye? There's the end of my career. Uh as, as a truck driver anyway. So there's there's all of these things that go in. I don't want to have limbs removed. I don't want to, all of these bad things that happen. And as I study, there's two trains of thought. Okay, the normal person's A1C is probably in the fives. Uh, type 2 diabetic, um, you know, between 6 and 7 is pretty darn common. And what they tend to do is between 6 and 7, they treat it with metformin. Um Seven and eight, they'll, they'll continue. At eight, they go more serious to the other drugs. And then at nine, they put you on insulin. I don't like any of the drugs other than the metformin. And I'm not real happy with some of the supplements, but they are doing the job I need them to do. And I can take a break from those from time to time. And I'm going to do two months on, one month off on, on, on one of them. Um, but I've done my own homework and I've made the decision and it's becoming a more popular decision that when metformin and the supplements won't do it, I will go straight to insulin. Uh, my mother is in her 90s, mentally fit. Had she controlled her blood sugar, uh, maybe with some of the proactive moves I'm able to do today that probably weren't available for her then, um, she'd probably still be out living on her own. Her mind is fine. Uh, she had a few falls, and, and uh, some of that, I think, was complications of... Um, somebody else now checking her blood sugar several times a day and giving her insulin several times a day. Uh, I think she takes it three times a day now, two or three, depending on what goes on. But, and that's where I get it from. But I want to be in control of this. I don't want anything to do with those other drugs. Maybe my mind will change down the line. But I am having some serious victories. One of the game changers for me, two game changers for me, uh, well, actually there were one, some of many, but probably what I would give the single 
biggest um, advantage to is modifying my exercise program. I'm not a guy who loves going to the gym. Chris goes to the gym. We go together on my mornings off. And uh, generally, I'll go upstairs and use the track, and she'll do her thing down in the gym with the machines and a treadmill and that sort of thing. I have changed that up based on what I read. So I will now, when we go to the gym, I will do 20 minutes of modest weightlifting, resistance training, enough to feel some pain, feel some burn. And I have to be careful because I do have some damaged shoulders and, and back and things that a 60-year-old truck driver has. Um, so I have to do that carefully, but I've been doing some weight training, resistance training. I've cut my amounts of runtime down, which is fine. And then in the evening after dinner, we have a total gym and some free weights in the basement. I'll come down and just spend 15 minutes working somewhere other than where I worked. If I worked arms and shoulders at the gym, I will do something different. I don't do a lot of leg workout at the gym yet because uh, the running and everything else does a lot. So I'm pretty careful with that. I, I, I want to measure the use of my knees and save them for things that I want to do rather than beating my knees to part running around that track. So... um that resistance training is every bit as effective as anything else. The days I don't do that 15 minutes of modest lifting at night, even on work days, my blood sugar is higher the next morning. When you lift, when you do resistance training, your body is basically damaging muscles, rebuilding them stronger. It needs insulin to rebuild those muscles. My body produces the insulin. The difference between type 1 and type 2 diabetes, and again, I am not a doctor. I'm telling you what, what's working for me. My understanding, the difference between type 1 and type 2, type 1 is, is onset at an early age you're born with. They do not produce insulin. The insulin is not there. It has to be introduced into the body. Type 2, on the other hand, your body produces plenty of insulin. It just becomes genetically impossible for that insulin to connect where it needs to be to lower your blood sugars, thus the problems. But the combination of supplements, losing weight, I, I'm 176 pounds today, and my trouble now is finding enough food to that I can eat and replacing that to fill the void that the carbs used to have. And I didn't have that many carbs. Um, and the other thing that is... The success is my tracking everything. I write down my weight and my blood sugar every morning. Work morning, off morning, whatever the case may be, I write it down. Weight, blood sugar. And that tracking has been important. And you know what? Every now and then it's high and that's okay. This morning I was exactly 150, which is about 18 points higher than I have been all week. But you know what I had yesterday evening? I had a carrot cake cupcake. Store-bought. The problem there was store-bought. Chris makes a wonderful carrot cake, and when I have a piece of her carrot cake, it does not affect my blood sugar. When I had that half of a, well, maybe three-quarters of a store-bought carrot cake cupcake, that thing was full of uh, crap I didn't need. And you know what? That's the price I pay to have a cupcake every now and then. As I said, I'm not going paleo. I'm not going keto. I am just cutting way down and changing what I eat, how I exercise, and focusing on it being stuff I can live with. I can make these changes and they're okay. We're going camping this weekend. Uh, we're going with, with uh, our daughter and her husband and, and their four kids. And I will not eat a s'more. You know what I've got when they have their s'mores? I've got Greek yogurt. I've, I've got uh, some uh, 
no GMO, no no antibiotics, some uh, rather natural uh, beef sticks, cheese. Um, I, I've got plenty of things for me to snack on. And my target goal is just to weigh 170 anything. Uh, my 176, I like coming off of work at 176, going back at 178. Since I've made these changes, I leave at 176 and come back at 176. When I hit 175, that's when I start loading up on other foods. But I will keep you guys up to, up to, uh, up to date. I'd love to know what you're doing, but I'm telling you guys, lose weight, get some exercise. And, uh, all I had in the truck when I first started this out was 10 pound dumbbells. I eventually increased them to 15 pound dumbbells and uh, just started doing core workouts one day. So one day I might walk slash run for 20 minutes and you know, maybe I'd, uh, or actually 28 minutes, 24 minutes, somewhere in there. Cause I wanted to get in and out of the truck in 30 minutes. And eventually I got to where I could continue a run for 30 minutes. And eventually I got to where I could do the, you know, the whole 3.1 mile 5k in, you know, 27, 28 minutes, get back in the truck. So one day I'd do the run. The next day, I'd just do a, a little bit of running, seven or eight minutes just to get my heart beat up, and then I would do my core routine. Now, here's what I found with the blood sugar, and this does make a difference, and this is really weird. I don't understand this, but as I say, I test, I document, I test, I document. If I run in the morning, say two miles, so I'm running for about 18 minutes. Then I go down and do a 15-minute workout uh, weightlifting. As opposed to if I go down and do my weightlifting first, then go do a two-mile run, my blood sugar is lower when I lift before I run. And I can't explain that, but I can document it. It is lower. And then if I come down in the evening, I either will take a 20-minute walk down the street and back, 10 minutes down, 10 minutes back, and that will lower my blood sugar. But if I come downstairs and use the free weights or that total gym, um, enough to cause a little bit of muscle pain, that substantially lowers my fasting blood sugar the next morning. Just little things, and as you document, you learn them. And I'm, I'm having, uh, I hate to use the word fun, I'll tell you what I feel. I feel empowered. I feel for the first time in several years like I'm in charge of this diabetes thing. I'm in charge of treating it. I know at this point I'm fighting genetics. But I can still stave off what may or may not be inevitable inevitable for several years. This is the first time I've felt very comfortable about I am not going to have issues maintaining my uh, CDL to 65 or possibly 67 when I retire. Uh, that decision will be made, uh, <laughs> obviously, in four or five more years. And that's important to me. I, I'm not ready to give up driving truck. I'm not ready to give up uh, my four-on-four-off schedule. I'm pretty close to getting uh, three weeks a year of vacation, which means three 12-day runs. I'm looking forward to, to utilizing my time off and having fun in it and doing things and producing podcasts and producing uh articles on the uh, on the website and things like that. So I have big plans for my future and, and shooting insulin is not one of them. Um, if that time comes, that time comes, I'll deal with it then. But for now, I will stick my blood finger every morning, check my blood sugar. A couple of times a week, I will 
two hours after my last meal. On my work days, I have dinner at like 6.30 and we're in bed by 8.30 and I usually have a snack in front of TV. So I don't check it after dinner. I check it after lunch at work. From 2 o'clock to 6 o'clock, I don't eat anything. So a couple times a week, I'll stop at 4 o'clock, wash my hands, and uh, poke my finger and do the fasting blood sugar in the in the afternoon just to see where that sits. And that's been uh, under 120, so that's been pretty cool because that number was, again, up in the 150s. So those are my, are my wins. Uh, diabetes is a very personal thing. It, different people are going to respond differently. Uh, I watched somebody I know well uh, dealing with a health problem now that is absolutely, totally self-inflicted, and it's the second time he's dealt with it, and it's like, I'm sorry, having a kidney stone drug out the end of my private parts would probably be enough to make me radically change my diet and lose some weight, but I guess that's not for everybody. Um, <laughs> it kind of breaks my heart. My, I'm going to end this with telling you... I. I was never a Tim McGraw fan early on when he came on the scene. Uh, I think Don't Take the Girl was one of the most awful songs country music ever had. Uh, when uh, Don Imus was alive and doing his show and uh, Tim McGraw came out, he used to joke and say, you know, he, he's so bad he should have to give his cowboy hat back. And I never liked his music. I like some of his later stuff, but uh, it's not unusual to catch me at 60 uh, going around singing my next 30 years. Boys and girls, I have plans. And uh, hey, if the, God has other plans for me, that's just fine. But I have to plan like I'm going to be here and I want to kick ass and take names. So speaking of taking names, hey, feedback at truckingpodcast.com. Um, glad you guys found the feed at Trucking After Hours. The podcast is staying under this feed. Hope you guys keep listening. And I hope you don't mind me doing some solo shows Don has been up to some pretty cool stuff, and uh, when it all settles down, I'm sure he will uh, come on and tell you guys about it. But I can do these during the week when it's just me in the studio. All is right with the world, and uh, hey, we'll have a lot of fun. With that, you all stay safe, shiny side up, God bless, and I will talk to you very soon. I am not boring, I just stick to what I know. 